Hi, welcome to VMRA Healing. This is the podcast that delves into every aspect of well-being, from spiritual and mental health to physical and financial wellness. Join us on a journey of exploring and to discover the interconnected nature of these essential elements, offering insights, expert interviews, and practical tips to balance in your life. So get ready to elevate your understanding of health and embrace a holistic approach and nourishes that not just your body, but also your mind, spirit, and wallets. Hi, this is the last day that I am going to be doing VMRA Healing Podcast as VMRA. I am actually going to be adding a co-host in the next couple of weeks. Her name is Marie Manning. She's been on here in the past. And also we're having a name change. And this is the first time that I'm going to be announcing the name change. And that is the Healing Compass Conversations That Guide. I'm very excited that this is our last podcast as VMRA because it was a very special one with Jeff Evans, very amazing guy. He had a very, very powerful story about when he had stage three cancer and how his chemotherapy had to be terminated and what he did in the meantime before he had his next appointment that really helped him heal the cancer. And it is just very powerful how he used sound waves and how he used meditation, positive thinking, good health, and how in combination with what had happened prior and what he did in the meantime, he was able to defeat cancer. So with further ado, here is the podcast with Jeff Evans. Hi, welcome to VMRA. This is your host, Angie Schultz. Today, I have a special guest. His name is Jeff Evans. And Jeff, do you mind sharing a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm kind of retired right now, but I wasn't before I got sick. Uh, I came to the United States uh, 20-something years ago to start a gaming company um, in the virtual reality sphere. And that went well for a while. Then it crashed and burned. Shortly after it crashed and burned, I was kicking around I, and uh, I be, kind of became a writer at that point because I needed a vacation. I'd been working you know, 60, 80 hours a week for 15, 16 years and it was like, I'm going to take a break. Anyway, uh, subsequently, I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. So that's actually was... what we are here to talk about is your stage four cancer. How long ago were you diagnosed uh, I think, uh, look, it was either 2018 or t- I think it was 2018. And what kind of cancer was it? Well, it started out as head and neck. They called, they didn't have a name. Well, they, I don't remember the name for it. It was head and neck cancer as far as I was concerned. The big problem was uh, because it was in this this region here was that it, they feared that it was getting into my uh, lymphatic system through the lymph nodes in your, in the side of your neck here. And if it made it into the lymphatic system, well, in, what was it, the doctor said, he said, it's kind of like the freeway to everywhere in the body. So if it metastasizes right. into the lymph, in, into lymphoma, then it can go anywhere. And 
at stage four, I remember them saying, this is serious. There's no stage five. Um, so <laughs> we started a very aggressive program then. And you're still here. So obviously something happened since 2018. Um, but what did the, what did the doctors first do to try to treat you? Because of the advanced stage of it and the, and the, and the sheer enormity of what, because it was spreading into like the whole lymphatic system thing was like, oh, that's next. And then you're in real trouble. They said they had to be really aggressive. So I soon found out what that meant. That meant like eight, eight to 10 hours of chemo every week in one session, like just eight hours in a chair getting chemo by infusion, drip infusion, through, uh, you know, regular infusion that way. I didn't take oral chemo. Uh, and radiation every day, five days a week for, mm, I'm going to say about, I made it to about five months. It was supposed to go longer, and this is going to be where it gets interesting as far as healing and stuff goes. I made, I dropped 50 pounds in that period of time, went from about 225 to about 175, which is a, pretty serious in terms of like, well, if you lost 25% of your body right. weight <laughs> or 20% or yeah, nearly nearly 25%, I can't do the math in my head right now, but 50 pounds off 225 is a pretty large amount um, and not for healthy reasons. <laughs> not, I mean, I was physically wrecked and they told me that they couldn't continue the treatment to its uh, end point. So they uh, terminated the treatment before I'd gotten rid of the cancer. And why'd they do that? Why did they turn Because they said the treatment's going to kill you. Okay. Like your body can't take what we're doing to you. But that was only really aggressive because it was stage four cancer and about to metastasize. In their view, uh, that was the next thing that would go wrong. So did they did they do any MRIs after that point? Um, well, we had all that stuff done. Uh, before, during, and at that point, yeah, um, and I still had cancer. That's what I asked them. I said, so I still have cancer. And they went, uh, yeah, but we can't treat you any longer. And I remember I was pretty sarcastic that day. The head nurse and the doctor that was uh, telling me that they were releasing me from the program, I looked at him when he said, you know, the reason we're stopping is because the treatment's killing you faster than the disease. And I just kind of like remarked that, yeah, because killing the patient doesn't look good on your resume. He didn't appreciate that real much, but the nurse at the back of the room nearly cracked up. In fact, I saw her covering her mouth like she didn't want to get fired. And I'm like, okay, I'll shut up now. Um, <laughs> so they sent me home uh, and uh, I, I was forced to like reckon with this without it because they said they couldn't, they had to wait 90 days for all my body to clear itself of the chemo and the radiation and everything else that they had done so that they could take a, another snapshot and go, where are you at, you know? And that was like, they said, 90 days to reach that point. I went home and thought, what am I going to do? And uh, I changed my diet. I started getting really serious about my role in this rather than just the medical role of be a patient because I'm no longer one, right? And I'm stuck at home. What were some of the changes you did to your diet? Oh, just eliminated all sugar. Like, that's hard to do, but... Yes, it is. 
And you can't actually eliminate all sugar pretty much if you eat uh, any sort of civilized Western diet that's through the normal retail chain. It's pretty much impossible to eliminate all sugar, but reduce it to the bare minimum, right? Which means reading all the labels and all that stuff. But um, when you're thinking about sugar, it's refined sugar that is the is the real killer. Like, I mean, if it's sugar that occurs in an orange or a banana, naturally, that's not really a big deal. It's the refined sugar, you know, like the sugar you put in your coffee, the sugar you add to your food, foods that have sugar added to make them taste better. Like, for instance, when you bake bread 200 years ago, it wasn't 8% sugar. Right. But you buy bread now, like, and it tastes sweeter because they put sugar in, right? So you need to think about things like that. So that was the number one. And the other one was to make sure that you get all the vitamins and minerals that, and it's not hard to figure out what they are. You can research hundreds, if not thousands of avenues towards what's the average daily intake of these vitamins and minerals and where do you get them, like vegetables and fruit and so forth. But also micronutrients and things. I don't have any specific ones in my head, but uh, because most of them I haven't adhered to as religiously as I did when I was trying to get better. When I was trying to get better, it was a voyage of discovery. So I read everything I could, uh, and I had I bought a blender and made my own superfood smoothies with all the right ingredients in it. I still do that a little bit, um, and I'd have a better diet than I had before. But I don't focus so strongly on it now because I've been cancer-free for so long. But it wasn't just your diet that you changed. You had said something about um, something with meditation and stuff. It was this is this is where it really and this is the this is the real message for people for anybody who has cancer or is dealing with someone else who has it or in any way is something you have to deal with in your life, particularly if you're the one that has it. I think 80% of the battle, because I wasn't supposed to survive. They told me I had three months when when the, when I was diagnosed. And uh, and I did have, and when I went after the 90 days uh, to clear everything and go back and see what was happening, uh, I went in and had all the tests done um, and then went home. And they called me up the next morning, like at 9, 9.30 in the morning. And they never do that. It's usually 10 days, two weeks before they reschedule test results, blah, blah, blah. And they said, you need to come in right now. And I was like, "Uh, this is uh, probably not good. All my fears and and worst case scenarios were were what I jumped to. And as humans, we do that anyway. Um, Because the things that will kill us are the things that we're worried about or the things that will hurt us. The joys in life, we don't like, they can't, we have to look for those, but we think the bad things are going to come and get us. So we always, that's sort of more, pre- it's a human imprint, you know, from evolution. Anyway, I rock up there and they all walk into the room, like all the oncologists, uh, there's about five or six of them. And I'm sitting there on that little uh, bed thing that sits, uh, you know, the, the exam in the little room, right? Um, and I'm looking at them and they're looking at me and no one's saying anything. And my brain is going, oh, my God, what? Uh, and that's what I said. I said, so what? Uh, and 
one of them, I can't remember which one, steps probably the team leader or whatever, maybe the and I can't remember which one it was. Anyway, I stepped forward and said, um, yeah, um, we couldn't find anything. And I'm like, any any what? Any cancer? Any any problem? What? And he went, no, no, we, we you, your cancer's gone. And it took me a minute to, like, process that. I couldn't really, like, my brain was like, what? Because I, I was actually thinking the opposite. And then I then I sort of got my head in gear and was like, so my, I have no cancer. He's going, no, we can't find any. It's all gone. It's like you never had it. And I, my first question was, can you explain this to me? Because I hadn't had treatment, right? You know, and I had cancer when I, I said, I, I had cancer when I left, right? And they went, yep, but I don't have it now. Yep. Can you explain this? And they said, uh, actually, no, we can't. That was their actual honest answer. They said, no, we can't. But you have an impossible explanation. Do you mind sharing about like the sound frequency? So now we get back to what I wanted to tell anybody who suffers from this sort of thing as far as from my experience goes. And I have had another experience a few years later that only reinforces it, which was even more miraculous than this. But it's all up here is my point. I went through a really um, a, a constant meditation process Uh and even learned to do some meditation techniques that were a little unusual. But I, I learned through that that when I started to believe, of course, that's 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 really most of the battle, that it's the power of po – um, I know the power of positive thinking sounds kind of hokey, but that's really what it is. A few of my friends said I was in denial because I started to live like the cancer was already cured. This was before I was cured. It's a visualization technique. Uh, it doesn't mean I did, thought I didn't have cancer. It means I started thinking about when I didn't have cancer and living like that was already true. And I would meditate on that principle. Um, and everyone has their own form of meditation, but mine involved what they call sound therapy. I'd seen a, a doctor's demonstration of destroying cancer cells with sound frequencies, resonant sound frequencies. So I started to research that subject. Uh, I employed uh, various sound frequencies, uh, whether they were 732 megahertz or 148. They all have different applications, so you have to do your own research to figure out which ones you need to do. But I put them into a sound generator on my computer and played it through a subwoofer on the floor that made the floor vibrate a little bit so I could absorb them when I'm sleeping. And I basically meditated with those things in the background research which ones were used for medicinal purposes like cell regeneration and so forth uh, and just focused on manifesting through meditation this is the life that i'm going to have i'm not going to have cancer i'm going to be good well less i'm going to be good and more i already am even when i wasn't like visualizing what life would be like without cancer not denying that i had cancer but kind of like ignoring it because I didn't have any medicines. So where did you find these sound frequencies and to know which ones? To I find? wish I wish I I wish I could have found it again because it was totally by accident. I would have written it down to tell everybody where it was. There was a doctor who was giving like a TED talk thing, and he had a room full of you know other doctors and surgeons and whatever else, all seven figure people, I'm sure. But he was demonstrating his belief that we could get to that star trek moment where we don't use scalpels and things to cut people up with surgery 
and he had been uh, researching killing cancers with sound frequencies and he demonstrated uh, on a video that he he put on the screen where he had DNA cells floating around uh, and cancer cells floating around in a, in a slide, petri dish, whatever, and destroyed the cancer cells right before our very eyes with sound frequency, uh, select sound frequency. I don't know what it was. It was when he selected for that cancer. And I wish I knew that doctor's name. I found his. I found that whole thing by accident. I was just scrolling through the web one day doing my cancer research because that's all I did when I was out of the program. Yeah, and I found it by accident. Uh, and I still don't know that doctor's name to this day. I'd have to go back and rediscover that research. But I just wanted to tell everybody that might be listening to this that it, that they can find it if they want to look for it, and it does work. Because now there are people, this was years ago, right? Three years ago, four years ago, there are people, there are more Western medical people going, you know, there's some validity to this. When he first did it, and I don't know how old the video was when I watched it, it was already uh, an old video. So he probably did that six years ago or something, uh, or maybe more. Now there's a lot more people getting on board with the whole idea. It's sort of like Star Trek from the 60s, you know. We don't cut people open anymore because we have sonic knives, you know. But that's the point. And there are, you can you can do, um, you can Google sound, resonant sound frequency, cancer or health or cell regeneration, all of those search words. And it'll throw you into a world, some of it you'd have to be very careful about, not that it's going to hurt you, but because some of it might be crap, to put it bluntly. <laughs> but that's the same job we all have on the internet. You have to sift through all the information and gradually figure out what is real and what isn't based on all you're sifting through. You can't go to your friend and say, is that real? Because they might believe something that's completely unreal. And the internet is full of, misinformation there are people who are going to label this misinformation we can't worry about that how how often did you meditate and do this oh all the time every day like uh i would have it in in my waking time i would have dedicated time for it like whether that was usually was in the morning and at night but i did this when i was sleeping so i would turn i, I mean my computer was in my bedroom so, and the subwoofer was right next to the bed. So that made the floor vibrate with the low frequencies, which made yeah. the bed vibrate. So I could, because it's not just hearing it. It was having my whole body subjected to it. At least that was my belief. And belief is half the problem here. You know, you got to believe that you're going to make it. If all you do is shuffle from one room to the other, following orders, being a good patient, your odds of surviving are much less than if you actually get proactive about it and employ uh, your consciousness towards, you know, reaping a reward that you can visualize as this, this is not going to kill me. And I used to sleep. Like I would turn on my little sound generating program on my computer, which is basically like uh, you can now, now you can get these frequencies off the internet and put them in a Spotify playlist and just turn that on when you go to sleep and you're listening to it all night till you wake up if you've got yeah. a playlist long enough. You don't have to do anything really special anymore. You can actually find them, do your research, find them, and put them in a Spotify playlist. It's that easy now. I'm really curious because when I was going through my yoga teacher training, we had somebody come in and they did some sound wave things with like big drums and then these things, but they put their kind of 
rolled around and my eyes closed. So I wasn't, so I don't really know exactly what he was doing, but I heard a lot of noise and it was like vibrating us. And I'm curious if it, it is it similar to that? Do you know? Oh, no, I think, no, it's all connected because one of the first things you, it's not just the sound, the sound is one thing, you're hearing it, right? But this is about, if you wanted to get really deeply into it, it has religious and spiritual connotations too. I'm not a super religious person because there's 4,000 religions and which one's the right one. There's very strong spiritual things attached to this. All the old native religions, they all employ sounds in their in their spiritual practices, you know, things from the Bible that that talk about it, you know, Joshua knocking down the walls with trumpets and stuff like that. So sound frequencies, it has enormous potential. And that's, and that's what I was into finding out or digging through all of that. So uh, have you heard of sound baths? Yes, that was what I was doing. Re it's resonant sound frequencies. It's actually the physical effects of the sound it's not the sound itself. That's only part. I mean, yes, that's how we hear things, but it's actually the resonance of the frequency. It's like, you know, when people do those little tricks with a tray of sand and they put a like and they put a freak sound, a resonant sound frequency yeah. through it and they make patterns and stuff. Well, that's just a visual um representation of of the effects of the movement of the sound and it makes a pretty little pattern, but it's these uh, vibrations, which are the important part of it. So yeah, that, no, that is especially with things like what they're experimenting with, with um, cell reconstruction or even deconstruction, because that's what that doctor was demonstrating with his cancer experiment. He deconstructed those cancer cells without harming the the, the good cells, and we all know that most cancer treatments that kill cancer right. kill everything. Yep. The good and the bad, whereas he was yep. trying to say, we can specifically kill the bad and not the good. The doctors were really surprised when I when they said, you don't have cancer. One of them came up to me later and said, what have you been doing? Because I said, why is this not what you expected? And they went, no, we, this is not the result we expected. This is not what normal. I mean, we're happy for you. But this isn't what normally happens in your situation when you leave and you still have cancer and you come back 30, 90 days later and you don't have cancer. It's, yeah. That's not normal. As And I don't, didn't have anything to go on except what he was telling me. Whether he was telling me the truth or not, I don't know, but that's what he told me. Yeah. So I think it's amazing, though, because, like, I believe that that definitely had a impact. And I love that we're starting to kind of have a shift towards Eastern medication and we're kind of marrying, marrying the Eastern medication with the Western medication, because my personal belief is you did the natural until you know it's not working. And then you do the, you know, the Western medication, the unnatural. I totally agree with you. I think uh, that there's been more research along when, when that guy first demonstrated that thing that I saw that old video about sound frequencies destroying cancer, I, I'm sure that the initial reaction was a bit like, well, yeah, sure, right, whatever, from the established Western medical people who don't believe in anything other than that one thing. But um, now, of course, we see a shift, you know, that that's melding together more. And I think as we evolve, that's completely to be expected because a lot of things that are true but seem a little... Uh, with experience, the resistance 
tends to evaporate, especially when it can be proven there are results. Because right. I had a second result a few years later, um, which, again, it was completely so miraculous that they, they were even more astonished because it was the same medical team this time, except, well, it was led by the same doctor. I got a blood disease um, only if, only eight, eight, nine months ago. Well, I, they said when they took me out of the ambulance, they said uh, I, I was unconscious in a coma. But they told me later, if you'd have been two minutes later arriving, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And uh, I was in a coma for a week and I was in the ICU for like a month on life support, getting dialysis every day uh, and 10 or 11 pints of plasma, which is all the plasma you have, really. Right. You only have 12 to begin with. Um, and that was daily just to keep me alive. They're 99.9% .9 sure what it was. They can't be 100% sure because you can't test for it. You can only test for what it isn't and, right. and eliminate everything until you arrive at a result that says, well, it's probably this. Some kind of auto, it was an autoimmune thing like a thrombosis that meant my immune system was wiping out my red blood cell platelets. They figured out that I was bone marrow and a few other tests that they did that I was making red blood cells. It wasn't that I wasn't making but my body was killing them. And uh, at a at a level that was like I was, well, when I went, like I said, I, I was nearly dead when when they pulled me out of the ambulance. Um, very close, minutes away. We're nine months out of when they released me from hospital when I, when I was stabilized and not dying. And again, it was a chemo program, an experimental chemo program that turned me around in the hospital. But I turned around so fast and so quickly that, again, the, the doctors were amazed because my blood, like, exceeds everybody's expectations. You know, we can't find anything. And I'm like, what do you mean, anything? It's like, well, you know, when you do a blood test, a full panel, it's about 100 and, I don't know, it's 150 different things that they test, you know, on a full blood um, breakdown, full lab. The four, 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 uh, three, not a two or a one, but a three or four test tube job. And everybody has something that's a little out of range, high or low, right. you know, even if they're healthy. Very few people have nothing. It's not impossible, but it's not common, right? Because right. of our diets, our modern diets and our routines and all the rest of it. But he said the last test I had, which was only, I was going to say, six weeks ago now, I thought it was a couple of weeks ago, but time does fly. And they said, we can't find anything. I went, uh, okay, so I'm, I've beaten it. He's going, well, I'd wait another six months without treatment, so you're a year out before I'd say you beat it. But, yeah, you beat it. Um, he was being optimistic. But they couldn't find anything. He said, your blood is like, it's like you were never sick. And, you know, nine months ago I was in a coma and minutes away from dying, all my organs had shut down. They were trying to save my brain from brain damage because it was the last thing left to close up shop. Right. Um, and again, the only thing that saved me when I was in the hospital was the fact that I insisted that they give me time uh, for meditation. Um, and I even had some friends bring in um, some sound gear so I could, like, do my little resonant thing, you know. I wasn't able to set up anything like I had at home. It was basically run off my phone this time, but I had to have extension speakers to kind of like get the experience. And I ran it off a phone, which was a make do thing, makeshift thing, but that's all I could get away with. 
But again, and the staff were really brilliant in the sense that they kept giving me feedback because I was really suffering for a while there. It was touch and go. But now I'm like jumping around, climbing ladders. When they when they let me out of those hospital, I couldn't even like climb the front steps to my house. Yeah. But the only reason they let me go was they said, well, you're not dying now. We can't keep you in here. And I went, yeah, but I can't function. And they went, well, you'll have to figure that out. You know, that's the limit they could do. Right. Um, but I started to, again, harness the whole power of positive thinking and meditation. Yoga has become a part of that now, which it wasn't before, um, because I had to get my body working again. I couldn't even walk. Right. And now I'm like, people look at me now and they go, uh, what? Is that really you? Because I met at a, we had a party a, a couple of nights ago for, I'm moving um, uh, rather large relocation. Um, and so I had a big goodbye thing the other night. And there was a couple of people there that were there. It was pretty confronting for me because they were there when I was in the coma and they were doing the the DNA, you know, do, do not resuscitate um, discussion was being had. Um, and it was being, it was my good friend and my niece who flew in from California when she heard about what had happened. And they had told me, you know, what it was, what they were doing. I didn't know anything about this, you know. The day they were standing there over the bed going, well, we're having a discussion about your DNR status. Um, so, yeah, the power of positive thinking and meditation had a lot to do with why I didn't have to, why they didn't have to do that. They didn't know that at the time. They just thought, no, nah, we're not going to give up. And uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. So if, it, it, this is really all about, like, I just wanted to impart the message that it's really important how you think about what's going on with you because it can be really overwhelming. Uh, and I know what it is to be overwhelmed and everybody out there that's got something like this going on in their life. But, I mean, it, twice now. I cheated death is the way I look at it. I think the biggest component in it was my mindset. Not, I mean, the medication helped, sure. I'm not saying that they didn't reduce the tumour when it was cancer or that they didn't stop the thrombosis when it was that most recent one. But I still wouldn't have made it out of the physically debilitating state I was in where I couldn't even like get up off the floor or right. walk um, without this up here. So that's what everybody has to cultivate, I think. So um, I really appreciate you coming and being willing to share your story with me. And I think it's a very powerful story, especially because, you know, everybody's afraid of the C word, cancer. And oh, no. The only people that I want to I want to become a cancer comedian because I think the only people who would understand cancer jokes are cancer victims. Everyone else doesn't want to laugh about it because it's like right. Ooh, cancer. But most cancer victims are like, God, tell me something funny about cancer, you know. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, you're fine. You so can't I, shut me up once I get going. I know that. Oh, no problem. So I just wanted to thank you. And I wanted to ask you one last question. And that is, what is the one thing that you learned through all of this? I know you kept going on, but if you were just to choose one thing that you felt was the most important thing for anybody, whether they're dealing with um, mental health issues or physical health issues or cancer itself, what would you say is the number one thing? The number one thing I think is, and it's kind of like you've got to be, It's it, some people would think it was denial, uh, but it's not. And that is the ability to go 
not think about your situation, not worry about your situation. Think about the complete opposite. Like for a can for someone with cancer or anything, what it's like to not have cancer. See that life that you will have or that you do have, not will have. This is where it gets a bit tricky. It's almost like saying, I don't have cancer when you do. But you've got to be able to see that that life and start living as much as you're able like that's already true, even though there's obvious evidence that it's not. You still have cancer. Yes, I know I still have cancer. But you've got to ignore that. You've got to put yourself in this imaginary state that is also fueling any meditation you do or visualization, and it's all centered on the life that you live when it's not a situation anymore. But instead, of, when I say anymore, that's the logical, sensible way of looking at it. Oh, when you're better. No, I'm talking about visualizing you are already better, not when you are better. You are already. Claiming it. Yeah, live like it's already true. Yep. Because if you can't do that, it never will be. If you can't see what it is when you're better, you won't get better to get there. So you've got to kind of bring that future right back to yourself and say, I'm claiming that now. You know, I'm claiming it now, not waiting for it. The one thing I appreciate about your story is that you don't claim that, you know, it was all the meditation. It was all like the sound bathing or all of that other stuff. That you it's did. everything. Yep. It's all of it because it's all here. Because if you start dividing it up and going, it was that or it was that, you, you end up like a politician who only <laughs> tells the story he thinks will get him elected. He doesn't really care about the result as long as his election happens. Yeah. So he farms his tribe, doesn't matter whether he's on the left or the right, he's only giving the answers that get him the election votes he wants or the funding he needs or whatever else, and it's not the truth. The truth is the full picture. The full, it's not the, yeah, the truth is everything. It's all important. I know one of the things that I have noticed is now that we're kind of shifting towards more Eastern medication, like, you know, meditation and... Um, Oh, holistic stuff, yeah. And all of that. Some people are starting to reject the Western medication, and it's like, no, we no, need no, to no. a balance between the two. And that, I think, is the part that people are missing, is that we don't just reject everything. We still have to recognize the Western medication has some benefits. It's just we should still lean towards natural, except for when it doesn't make sense. Yeah, because then they because if they do what you're suggesting, right, which I understand is what happens, then they're just as much an extremist as the extremist that they pointed the finger at on the other side of the fence. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for a great conversation. I really appreciate having you on. Well, thank you for letting me go on and on and on about my little story. <laughs> no problem. It was very interesting. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. If you're looking for more resources, you can find some on my website at healingmindbodyspirit.com. There are some recommended books there with links to purchase. I look forward to hearing from my listeners. You can either leave a voice message through the link in the show notes, leave a comment on my website, healingmindbodyspiritwithangie.com, or email me at viamare 
healing at gmail.com b-i-a-m-a-r-e healing h-e-a-l-i-n-g at gmail.com i'd love to hear your ideas on future podcasts if you want to be a guest on my show reach out and we can discuss whether it be a good fit i hope you guys have a great day